morning, everybody. So great to see your faces. Some of you new faces. I'm seeing some repeats here. It's great to see you here. My name is Desra. I'm going to get to the scripture if no one will cooperate. <laughs> I'm reading from Galatians 1, starting in verse 11 to the end. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Thanks, Desra. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You are the ri your son is the risen king. Uh, we have you to thank for everything, for every aspect of our salvation, for the hope of the world. We wanna, we wanna hear about it again this morning. I pray we would get to see the gospel in a new light, from a new perspective, so that we can see new life and, and, uh, and new birth in people that would lead to a restored life. We pray this in your name, your great name, amen. Please have a seat. Thank you so much for being here. So great to see you guys. We had a blast last week in the rain. It was like pouring if you weren't here, uh, but it was still a great time. This week couldn't be uh, more different. It couldn't be any more beautiful outside. So thank you for being with us. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are here, the rad dads that are here. Um, we'll try to take it easy on you today. Try not, to, try not to hit you too hard. That's actually a lie, okay? We don't pull many punches, especially not to fathers, right? Us fathers need it the most. We need to hear the gospel absolutely as much as possible. So this is for you, dads. <laughs> uh, my name is Tim Porter, and uh, we need to get to work. Let's do it. We're, we're in Galatians. You just heard Desra talking about that. And I wanna, I wanna ask you a question to start us. Start us off here. The wind is going to blow my notes everywhere, and it's going to be a, a hot mess. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Okay, no notes, maybe. 
Listen, anyone, any, or excuse me, anytime anyone makes a claim and tries to give you advice, right, says you should stop doing one thing, you should start doing another, the first thing you should do before you take their advice is you need to establish some credibility of the person that is giving you that advice, right? You need to ask some questions before you just take, take their word for it. Is that my mic? That's a bummer. So you need to establish credibility. I see this. I have a, a small investment company up in Tigard, and I help people with their investments, and people pitch me investments all the time for my clients, or sometimes my clients will give me a hot tip on a stock or something that they like. And I need to ask some questions to find out if the tip or the advice that I'm getting is warranted, if people you know, should invest in this. So I ask a couple of questions. First thing you do, who is, who is giving the advice? Who is, who is telling me uh, what I should do? Are they, a, are they an amateur? Are they a pro? Do, do they know what they're talking about? Or are they just figuring this out? You know, is somebody doing this for a living or do they you know, work at Costco or, or whatever? No, nothing wrong with Costco. We love, we love Costco. But um, we need to find out who the advice is coming from. Second thing you need to find out is how does it work in, in, in the case of the investment? How does this investment work if you're pitching it to me? Give me some details. Like, let me know that you know how this thing works. And the last question is, what do I have to do? What are my responsibilities? Do I just write a check in the case of the investment? Do I give them money? Do I have to recruit three of my friends? Uh, and then they recruit three of their friends. And so we've got this great pyramid scheme going on and everybody's gonna get rich because we're selling a ton of soap or whatever the, whatever the issue was or whatever they're trying to sell. So we got three questions. Who is giving the advice? How does it work? And what are we supposed to do with it? This is important. Now, I'm not trying to, trying to talk about investments today, but this is important because Paul is making, the Apostle Paul is making a pretty big claim. We talked about it last week. This is verses 6 through 9, if you remember. Paul is saying, listen, the gospel that you're preaching is jacked up, Galatians. It's not the gospel that I preached to you when I was there earlier. You're messing it up. You're trying to add to the gospel, and that doesn't work. They're trying to add a bunch of Jewish traditions to Jesus, is what we learned last week. And Paul says, if you try to add stuff to the gospel, you're going to abandon Christ, you're going to ruin the gospel, the real gospel, and you're going to bring a curse on yourself. And we found out last week that in Silverton and surrounding areas, we love to work hard around here. Everybody's got such a great work ethic, and it's kind of awesome. Everybody bands together, and they work hard. But the problem with that is hard work doesn't help you with the gospel. In fact, that hard work, that might be a, a weakness, because we want to jump in. We want to say, hey, let me improve the gospel. Let me, let me earn it a little bit here. Let me, I, I hate just sitting back and receiving it. Let me jump in. Let me be a part of this. Jesus, let me help you. I want to improve it. I want to pay you back for, for the hard work that you've done, Jesus. That is jacked up gospel. And if, and if we're doing that, if we're thinking that, if we're trying to earn our salvation, we abandon Christ, we ruin the gospel, and we bring a curse on ourselves is what we found out last week. But what did we end with last week? It was the best part. Christ redeems us from the curse 
that we bring on ourselves by becoming the curse. He takes that curse and he offers us, instead of that curse, he offers us freedom from the curse. It's just like, oh, this is great news. I loved reading it last week. I love preaching it. I love saying it again right now. Like we have freedom from the curse of trying to earn our salvation. So, so all this to say, this is the claim that Paul is making, that their gospel is messed up, that they're messing up their gospel. And now Paul is going to establish his credibility uh, for making that claim. He's going to answer those same questions, where he got the gospel from, how the gospel works, and what we're supposed to do with the gospel. Okay, so let's dig in. The first thing, who did he get the gospel from? Let's flip to, uh, to Galatians. Desiree just read it, but let me, just, let me just read verse 12 here. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Who, who did he get it from? Did he get it from the other apostles? Did he learn it from somebody else? Was it passed down from generation to generation? And by the time Paul got it, it was all jacked up? No, he got it from Jesus himself. I don't know if you know the story of Paul very well, but it's a pretty epic story. It says later in, in that chapter in, in Galatians that he was zealous to keep the traditions of his fathers. What were the traditions of Paul's fathers? It was, it was Judaism. It was following the, following the rules of Judaism. And, and he was advancing, not just in, in the religion, but this, this religion was also political. He was advancing in, in, in political power. He was getting after it. And Jesus was a threat to Paul. Jesus was a threat to Judaism and the power that Paul was getting. So Paul was a persecutor of Christians because they were trying to spread the message of the real gospel, of the true gospel of Jesus. And so Paul was, was very much a part of persecuting Christians. And I just got to go, look at the Bible's flipping for me. Back to Acts 9. Isn't that handy? Like self-flipping Bible. So I, man, I, I struggle with how much I should read. The whole thing, like Acts 7 to Acts 9 is the story of Paul. I, I, I think you should read it. You should read it for yourself. But let me just say, let me just bring up a couple of points here. There's this guy, Stephen, okay? Stephen was a Christian. He was preaching the gospel. And there was an incident where he was preaching the gospel and these Jews, they, they got so enraged at Stephen for preaching the gospel that they plugged their ears. They didn't want to hear it anymore. And then they picked up rocks and they started throwing rocks at Stephen. They were stoning him. And there's this one part in, uh, in Acts 7. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man. This is while they're throwing rocks at Stephen. They laid their garments down at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul becomes Paul. So this is, this is the same guy, Paul. This is before, before his conversion. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So, so Saul was overseeing the murder of Christians. Saul turned Paul. 
was overseeing the murder of Christians, okay? It, it, that's, that was the first murder. That's the one that we have in the, in the Bible. And then in Acts 9, it says, but Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, any belonging to the way of Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's asking his high priest, his, his boss, can I, go, can I go to Damascus? I want to get some more of them. I want to bound them and I, want to, I want to, and I want to drag them back to Jerusalem. So he goes, it's like a business trip. He goes to Damascus. And what happens on the road to Damascus? Most of us probably know this, but we're going we're gonna to tell it again in case some people don't. He sees a bright light. He sees a bright light and, and, and someone is speaking to him. And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, the bright light says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Stop persecuting me. And then go to the Damascus. There'll be more instructions for you there. So he opens his eye. Paul opens his eyes. He can't see. He's blind as a bat. Okay, they got to lead him by his hand all the way to Damascus. Then we have another guy named Ananias, another Christian guy. Ananias gets a vision from God to go see Saul, turning Paul here, and pray for him and, and so that he might get his sight back. And Ananias is like, ah, uh, God, are you sure? This guy just killed Stephen. This guy just oversaw the murder of our friend Stephen. Are you sure I should do this? And I wanted to read the response that God gave him. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake, for the sake of my name. Excuse me. So Ananias goes, he prays for, for Saul. The scales fall from Saul's eyes. He can see again. And then for some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the amazing story of Saul, turn Paul, okay? He was killing Christians. He sees Jesus. Re Jesus was revealed to him, and instantly, almost immediately, he is preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. No one taught him this. The reason this is important, what you don't hear is, is that people were accusing Paul of just meeting with the apostles and, and learning what the gospel was from the apostles. And, and, and Paul is rebu ref, uh, rebuking that, refuting that. That's the word I'm looking for is refuting that, saying, no, I heard directly from Jesus. I started preaching the word and it happened to match up perfectly with what the other apostles were preaching and what Jesus was preaching. So do you see, like, his story was corroborated here. He, they all matched up. He heard the gospel right from the source. It's not a messed up gospel. It's the real gospel. And something that we can take from this. Where do you get your gospel from? Where, where are you learning the gospel? Where are you hearing it? We have access to the source. We have access right to the source. We have this incredible book right here with a bunch of, with a bunch of great information in it. This is Jesus' teachings, 
in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, these are eyewitness accounts of what Jesus was teaching. We can go right to the source. Then we can read the prose, right? Uh, uh, Paul was a pro. The other apostles were pros. Jesus was the hero. Jesus was, is the savior. The rest of us are amateurs, just to be clear. So anytime you hear a gospel from an amateur, you need to know the true gospel so you can filter it through what is real and you can dismiss the garbage you can keep what's real does that make it sense this is just a this is just a uh, uh an encouragement to dig in matthew mark luke and john pick one of those read them this is the story of jesus those are the, where the red letters are you need to know that read your bible download the app listen to your bible put it on on the truck whatever you just need to know what it says, you, you need to have the gospel revealed by Christ himself. Okay, that's the first, that's the first thing. Looks like Paul might be pretty credible uh, because where he got the gospel from. What's the next point? What's the next thing he's gonna answer? He's gonna, he's gonna tell us that he was, in verse 15, but when he, that's a big deal, but when he, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. That was kind of a lot. We're gonna focus on on two, two pieces of that. But when he set me apart before I was born, okay, that's the first one, and he who called me by his grace. This is how the gospel works. But when he set me apart, what is Paul saying here? I didn't come to this conclusion on my own. I didn't figure it out. I was set apart, not just randomly, not just like uh, luck of the draw, but when he, like God had a hand in Paul's life. God had a, a, a hand in Paul's story. In Psalm 139, 16, it says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before Paul could choose to follow God, God chose Paul. He determined that this was going to happen to Paul. Before Paul could even affect what his story was, God had written it into his story you need to know this. If you've chosen to follow God, praise God. But that means God worked in your life before you had a chance to follow him. God determined that you would follow him. He gave you the ability to even know your need for him. This is, this is important because if it's up to us, if we choose, you know, like we heard in Sunday school maybe, like you've got to ask God into your heart. You've got you to gotta do it. You've got you to gotta pull it in. If we ask God into our heart, then it was up to us. And it's not up to us. Because if it's up to us, then we get the credit and we get some glory for our salvation. And that's not the case. It's up to God. God gets the credit. And to God be the glory for our salvation. That's what Paul is telling us. That's how the gospel is working in that first section. The next part of this. And who called me by his grace. Oh, boy. Paul says he was called by his grace. 
Again, not something that he can manufacture. Can you make someone call you? I mean, can you stare at the phone and make it ring? That's, that's not how that works. I mean, sometimes I, in the past, I've wished, like, come on. Will she call or what? Will the big account call? I hope they do. We can't. This is something, again, that happened to him. Martin Lloyd-Jones has this incredible sermon. Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you don't know who that is, he's an old dead guy. Uh, preached some sermons back in the 50s. He's got this incredible sermon. He's like a fire and brimstone kind of guy. And I listened to it this week, and it was so awesome. He, he has a bunch of stuff on this. And, and so a, a bunch of the, the information that I'm about to give comes, comes from him. But he talks about, listen, there's, there's power in the call. There's power. It's, it's confirmed and when Paul writes the letter in Thessalonians. He says in, in chapter 1, verse 4, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power. So two people can be here today. I can, we can talk about the gospel. We can give a quick and simple explanation of the gospel. Let's do it. There's, there's bad news and there's good news. The bad news is, like, we are too sinful for our own salvation. We need a complete rescue. The good news is, Jesus, awesome, talk. Jesus offers us that rescue. He offers us that salvation through belief in him and his work on the cross and nothing else. That's it. That's the only thing uh, that can save us is belief on the cross, is faith in his work on the cross. That's the gospel, okay? There's bad news. We're sinful. There's good news. Jesus is amazing, and he's merciful, and he died for those sins. Two people can be here. One person hears it and says, oh, the gospel. I love it. I need it. And the other person says, that's nice. That's really nice. It sounds really, that sounds really nice. Two people, one felt the power of the call, one does not. It's kind of crazy, but it's not that crazy if you think about it. Let's talk about tri-tip for a second. By the way, we're having tri-tip after the service. Did anybody know that? Happy stinking Father's Day, okay? <laughs> Holly Kintz, where you at? Holly Kintz is doing our catering wherever, wherever she is. Uh, she's doing our catering. She's doing a phenomenal job. You should use her if you need some catering done. <laughs> this portion of the service is brought to you by Holly Kintz. <laughs> Back to tri-tip. I can take an incredible piece of prime tri-tip. And I, can, and I can put my favorite seasoning on it, just like a ton. I love to over-season a tri-tip. Montreal steak seasoning right now is, was, is what I love. And I can crust this tri-tip in this incredible seasoning. And I can crank the Traeger up as, as high as it will go. And I put it in the back corner where it's kind of hot. You know, there's a hot part in your Traeger, if you, if you have a Traeger or a smoker. I put it in the back, back corner so that it gets a crust on the one side, and then you rotate it every 10 minutes so that the whole thing ends up with this incredible caramelized crust. And it's like, oh, this is amazing. And so you, you let it chill for a little bit. You get it to about 125, 130 degrees. Then you pull, you pull it out. And you let it rest, of course. You don't want to cut right into it, let all the juices flow out. You let it rest. And while you're letting it rest, you sharpen your knife. Okay? And you're just waiting like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be so good. 
Okay? And then you cut against the grain, of course, at an angle, and you make these slices, and they're incredible. And it's just like, oh, it's, it's so crusty and, and salty on the exterior, but it's like melting your mouth tender on the interior, and the thing is just like phenomenal. And then you take a step back, and you're like, you put it on the counter, and you take a step back, and you're like, ah, this is amazing. This is my fit. This is the, the greatest thing ever. And then your wife comes walking through, right? And you're like, Holly, check out this tri-tip. Is this not amazing? And she says, uh, yeah, that's nice. And I'm like, no, this is like a gift from God. This is like the fattened calf from the prodigal son story. Like, this is, this is the deal. And she's like, is it supposed to be bloody like that? Like, are you sure that you cooked it enough? Oh, what? I think I'll have a salad. Like, you've got to be kidding me. She's in kids, by the way. So if you see her, when you pick up, give her a hard time. She can't be here to defend herself. There's an example. One tri-tip, two people, two very different uh, interpretations, two very different experiences. This is the gospel. Two people listen to it. One feels the call. One feels the power of the call. One does not. So how do you know if you felt the power of the call? How do you know if you've received the gospel? Martin Lloyd-Jones, like brilliantly, says there's two things that are true of Christians that have received the gospel and that have heard the call of his grace. You are convinced of it and you are convicted by the gospel. You are convinced of the truth of the gospel and you're convicted by your sin. Let's start with the convinced. What does that mean? That means you can look at the gospel. It is as much a set of facts as it is like a spiritual understanding and like a heart feeling, right? A a truth that you feel deep in your bones, it's, a, it's as much a set of facts. You look at the facts. It's a time. It's a place. It's a person. It's 2,000 years ago. It's in Israel. Northern and central Israel is where this was all taking place. It's a person. It's Jesus. There's a historian named Josephus that, that proves. I mean, it's undeniable that Jesus walked the face of the earth. He, he was born, we, we, we read in the, in the Gospels, he was born of a virgin. Then he becomes a carpenter. He hangs out for a while. When he's 30 years old, he starts grabbing disciples, pulling people close to him. He starts teaching them about the way that they should live. He starts preaching sermons. He performs miracles so that people can see his power. He turns water into wine, feeds the thousands, uh, heals the lame, makes the blind see. He teaches us the way we should live, and then he knows we can't actually do it. We can't live perfectly. So what does he do? He goes to the cross, and he dies a horrific death. He takes our sin and gives us forgiveness for that sin. These are the facts. Then then he's buried. He stays buried for three days, and then he doesn't stay buried. He rises again. Hundreds of people see him come back from the dead. And thousands of Jews have their lives changed overnight, and the gospel spreads like wildfire. These are the facts of the gospel. How do you account for all of that? How do you do do it? Is it true? Is it real? Or is it made up? If it's true, if you think it's true, if you think this is right, this is truth, I believe this. 
then praise God, you have been convinced of the gospel. Just like you could be convinced of the, uh, you know, which party to be a part of, Republican or Democrat. You can assess the issues on either side. You, get, you can intellectually choose one or the two sides. To be convinced of the gospel, you intellectually look at the facts and you choose, yes, I'm persuaded by the gospel. I am convinced that this actually existed. But that's not all. There's one other. You got to be not only convinced, but you've got to be convicted by it. What does that mean? How do you, how are you convicted by it? Have you felt that power that we were talking about? The power of the call of his grace. Have you heard the gospel and said, oh my goodness, it's for me. This is about me. This is all me. I have been wrong in my thinking. I have been wrong in my living. I have been wrong in my, in my actions. I am sinful. It's me that put Jesus up on the cross. It's, it's, it was my, my inability to save myself, my, my efforts to save myself. It's all about me. I need the cross. I need the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Like, has it become personal with you? Like, has it felt real to you? This is what happened to Paul. This is, Paul is the great illustration of this story. He's on the road. like He's not assessing all the other religions. He's on the road to go persecute some more Christians. Stopped in his tracks. Jesus is revealed to him. The gospel is revealed through Jesus. And all of a sudden, he, he knows his sin. He says, I'm a, and Timothy says, I'm a blasphemer, I'm a persecutor, I'm a violent man, I'm the chief of sinners. Like instantly, he knows it's about me. He feels ashamed, he feels sorry for his sin. He, he wants grace and he wants forgiveness and he wants the mercy. Have you felt that way before? Like, have you, have you ever felt this? Where you've been ashamed, you're, you're in despair, like you're, you're at rock bottom, you're hopeless, you're helpless, and you need something, you need someone to save you. And you hear the message of the gospel and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all I got. That's all I bring to the table is just one simple prayer. That is the, it's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector from Luke 18. I don't know if you remember it, but this Pharisee is the self-righteous self religious guy. And the, the tax collector is the scammy, sleazeball sinner. They both go up to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee's like, oh God, I'm so amazing. Look at how great I am. I tithe of everything I get. And I certainly haven't been doing bad things like uh, adultery or extortion like this, like this tax collector. And the tax collector stands far off. By the way, these are red letters. Like this is Jesus's story that he told in Luke. So this is, this is an important one. And, and, and the tax collector stands far off. He can't even lift his head. He can't even get close to the temple. He, he, he bows his head. He beats his chest and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, the tax collector went down from the temple justified, not the religious dude. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves have been exalted. Have you humbled yourself before God? Have you felt your need to humble yourself before God? Dude, it's so important. If you have, 
praise God for that. You have felt the call. Now, what do you do with that? This is the last question that we had. We, we saw that Paul is credible. We saw how it works. Now, what do you do with it? If you've never felt the call before, if you've never felt that it's personal, but by chance you feel that today, like and you're like, oh my gosh, it's true. He's speaking to me. God is speaking through me. Like you need to act on that. This is such a big deal. You need to pray that prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Literally, that's it. And I, I'm telling you, if you're thinking about doing that, if you're thinking like you need that, you better come and find me. We want to pray with you. I want to pray that prayer with you, not because you have to, but because we want to celebrate with you. We want to pray that prayer. We want to make it official. And then you get baptized. Okay? Make it official. You ask God for forgiveness. You ask him for mercy. And then we got to get baptized. It, it doesn't save you. There's no magic in baptism. But Jesus got baptized. Paul got baptized. Jesus tells us that we need to get baptized. It's just a representation of, of Jesus' death on the cross when you go under the water and his resurrection. New birth, new life when you come out of the water. And you do it to show everybody like... I'm sinful, I recognize my need for Jesus, and I've received that mercy and that grace. You gotta get baptized. We're doing a baptism in, in a few weeks. If you've never gotten baptized and you feel like you've been called by his grace, you set apart from when you were born, and called by his grace, like, we gotta get you baptized. You need to come and talk to us, please. Me or Brandon or Jesse, we wanna do that. If you're already a Christian, if you've already done all this, right? You've checked those boxes. What do you do? You got to tell your story. You've got to you've got to tell your story like Paul is telling his story. Why is Paul telling his story? Why is he laying it all out here for us? Because at the end of chapter 1, he's saying that people are saying <laughs> He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith, faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. You've got to tell your story so that God can be glorified. Okay, This is a way that God can be glorified. That's why he saves us, to save us from our sins and then to help other people be saved from their sins. The story of culture is being told, whether you know it or not. I see it on the financial news now. It's Pride Month, and I'm getting there's commercials where it's, it's like testimonies of, of people who are telling you you got to unconditionally love yourself. You, you've got to just follow your heart. That's what did it for me. You gotta follow your heart. That is such garbage. Our hearts are jacked up. Do not follow your heart. In Galatians 5, it says the spirit is against the flesh, and the flesh is against the spirit. We are sinful. You can't trust your heart. It's going to lie to you. You need to trust Jesus. People need to know that. We need to tell our story so we can push back against the garbage that you hear, not just on TV, on your phones, in articles, buddies, whatever, wherever. Jacked up churches, that's also, that's also a place you can... You can hear the false gospel. We've got to tell our story. You need to be thinking of verses that have, that have changed your life. I talked about Psalm 51 last, last week. Psalm 51 hit me like a ton of bricks. Psalm 51 
like changed my life. It was the spark that grew into a fire that continues to burn. That's just one story. I mean, that's just one verse in my story. Philippians 3.13, you can forget what lies behind. Focus on the upward call in Christ Jesus. That was the next one in my story that helped me forget my past. Romans 5 helped my wife and I. That Psalm 139.16, we've had something terrible happen to one of our kids. I won't get into detail with this, but my wife just came to me the other day and was like, this is the verse, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be we we stamped that situation with psalm 139 and said god knew what was going to happen to one of our kids he saw it happen he knew what was going to happen we can trust him he's he's a good god you need to log these verses in your story so that when somebody when you see somebody who has a similar experience you don't say oh this is how i handled it this is how i got credit for it you, you you're an arrow you point to the cross and you say i didn't do it it was the cross man jesus saved me and this is the verse that that helped me get through it this is the verse that i'm stamping on that situation that is how you tell your story fathers oh yeah i'm coming for you Tell your stinking story. Your kids need to know it. I'm sorry. I'm fired up. Your kids need to know your story. Your kids, your wife, the way of the, the, way of the father is usually the way of the house. Tell, tell them how much you love Jesus. Tell them how much he meant to you. Tell, give them some verses that have been important to you. Fathers, we gotta, we've got to like push back against all the garbage out there. Paul is credible. Okay, we can, we can trust him. He's a pro. Jesus is the hero. He's the savior. Okay, this is, this is the message today. We can trust Paul. We can trust Jesus. Let's do that. Let's, let's, let's take some time. Let's have the guys come up. Let's do communion right now. Let's just recognize the time where we recognize our sin and then we leave it at the cross for Jesus. Why don't I have everybody stand up and uh, and head and grab some communion, and then I'll talk you through it once you're back to your seat. Okay. bow our heads once you get back to your seat let's think through the the weight of our sin and our shame our guilt where we have messed things up where we
we have maybe been trying to earn our salvation, sometimes even our, our best deeds are done for the wrong motives. And in a sense, they're, they're sinful. We're trying to earn our salvation. Let's think through whatever it is, either we're our failure or how we've tried to earn our salvation. Think through that for a second. And then we think about Jesus. We think about his body that was broken for us. He says, listen, I know you're feeling about that shame. I know you're feeling that weight and that guilt, but my body was broken for that. My body was broken so you could be healed, so you could be put back together. Let's take the cracker and do this in remembrance of him. He says, listen, my blood was shed to cover your debts. I took the curse and I'm giving you freedom from the curse. And my blood is how it was paid for. I bled out and I died on that cross. It was excruciating, but I did it for you. Let's take the juice and let's do this in remembrance of him. Father, we love you. What an incredible story. Paul's story is incredible, but Jesus' story, oh my gosh. It is amazing. We, we love it. We need it. We see our need for it. I pray that some people would see their need for it, maybe for the first time this morning. Jesus, I, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Listen, we don't stay sad and depressed. Now, we celebrate. Okay, our sin has been paid for. He died. He rose again. Let's praise God. And then let's party afterwards with some tri-tip. If you've decided, if you've heard the call for the first time, please come find me. I'll be over by the sound booth. Let's talk about it and let's worship now.